This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSC.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in. It's the Friday edition of Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Hope you had a great day, beautiful day in South Carolina. Sound like uh, Nikki Haley. It's a beautiful day in South Carolina. And we welcome you into this Friday edition of Sports Talk. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel here at our studios in Columbia. Chris Bergen will be joining us from up in wild and wonderful West Virginia making the trip with Coastal Carolina basketball. They were humbled last night at home, and now they'll be taking on Marshall tomorrow. A lot of stuff going on. Of course, basketball at the forefront with South Carolina going to Georgia tomorrow, looking to continue their winning ways. And Clemson back and home to take on Virginia, and the Tigers hoping to build on their win over Louisville the other night, needing a quality win over a quality opponent to kind of get themselves right. The Tigers need to get themselves right. I, I, I would not feel so good about that win over Louisville because Louisville's not very good to begin with. And number two, you almost blew that game against Louisville. So they really need a good, solid start to finish win, even though a two-point win over Virginia tomorrow, as good as Virginia is and as well as they can hold down the scoring, a two-point win, you would take that over the Cavaliers any day. Uh, today, South Carolina football coach Shane Beamer officially uh, introduced his new special teams coordinator, Joe DeCamillis, coming from the NFL. Well, spent a year at Texas off the field, but most of his, uh, well, all of his coaching career, his actual hands-on coaching career on the uh, NFL level. And a guy that is renowned for his uh, special teams work during his time in the NFL. We'll hear from both of those coaches tonight. George Bryan III at uh, 735 with birdies and bogeys and biceps around the uh, state of uh, South Carolina. So we got all that coming your way. And, of course, we'll recap recruiting as the recruiting season for the 24 class comes to an end this weekend and this coming week. This is the last visitation weekend for the 24 signees period uh, everything goes dead on sunday night as far as uh, visits uh, both uh, on campus and coaches coming to see you that goes dead for the month of february so any of the unsigned for the 24 class who have not taken officials and still have some to make have to make them this weekend i think as far as i can tell best i know looks like south carolina clemson they're they're finished with their 24 class in terms of high schoolers there still could be some transfer portal john pickups for i would say south carolina uh, if they feel like they need more of course clemson hasn't done anything with anybody in the transfer portal john to this point so we'll go over all that in recruiting and your phone calls 888-898-2525 that is the south carolina education lottery lucky number for you here on sports talk let's welcome in chris bergen from up in the mountains of West Virginia, 
Hope he put his teeth in before he crossed into the state of West Virginia, the home of Jerry West and uh, Hot Rod Hundley and several other famous uh, basketball players of yore. How was your trip? Well, I think the trip must not have been so good. He drive off the side of the mountain. We lose our connection. We've lost our connection. We'll reconnect with Bergie in just a moment. Had a tough game last night, though. Uh, the uh, Shauna Clears uh, losing big at home and hoping now to go on the road and uh, recover and play a pretty good uh, Marshall team up at their place. You know, Marshall, they love their basketball up there in West Virginia. West Virginia and Marshall. And Marshall has been really, really good uh, over the years, especially back when they were in the Southern Conference. And they would pack their own arena and their players, their fans would travel with them. I can remember covering the Southern Conference tournament in Asheville, and Marshall would just bring a ton of people to that event. So they're very passionate about their basketball uh, up at uh, up at Marshall. So uh, we'll have Chris on with us here momentarily once he gets reconnected from up in West Virginia. In the meantime, let me uh, catch you up on a few other things of uh, importance because there were a couple of uh, major items today that we need to talk about. One involves the SEC and the Big Ten. So they announced today the formation of a joint advisory group of university presidents, chancellors, and AD, uh, ADs to address significant challenges facing college athletics and opportunities for the betterment of the student-athlete experience. So you knew this was going to be coming down the road at some point in time, the Big Ten, the SEC, would take charge in this situation. My my feeling is Greg Sankey wants to be the czar. When this is all said and done, I think Greg Sankey, uh, Greg Sankey wants to be the head honch over whatever new creation they come up with. And I think that's what he is angling for with the SEC, with their contract with ESPN, with their SEC network. That's just my gut feeling on this thing. This group will have no authority to act independently and will only serve as a consulting body, its composition, charter, and timetable, as well as the specific questions it might examine have yet to be determined. Well, if they do for college athletics what the ACC Pac-12 Alliance did for college athletics, then we're in for a great show here. Uh, Chris Bergen now joining us from West Virginia. How are you? I'm great, brother. How are you? Terrific. You have a good trip? We did. It was a couple of hours last night after a uh, tough, tough loss for uh, the shot of clears. I, I told you last night they'd have to play well to have a chance against JMU. And they didn't, and JMU took full advantage. I'm not sure I've ever seen a game where you had 43 points off turnovers for one of the two teams, and that's what the Dukes did last night. And they deserved to win. They were really, really good. So, But the trip afterwards got to uh, Beckley, West Virginia, mm. and they made it up here to Huntington this afternoon, and I'm actually sitting in the uh, entryway to the Cam Henderson Center where Coastal and Marshall will play tomorrow afternoon. I know people from Beckley, West Virginia. I used to know some coal miners. <laughs> People had the biggest hands. You know, coal miners, they have huge hands. It's a hard business. It's a hard, it's a hard, tough business. You better be a big physical person if you're going to be a coal miner. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no way I would be able to do that. That is not a job. I'm glad. It's sort of like, you know, trash collection and a lot of different things. There, there are jobs that people do that I'm glad they do, but I couldn't do. 
producing sports talk? That would be one of them. That, that falls right in line. <laughs> you got to be big. You got to be physical to handle this job, Pat Daniel. So I said, if you, as you were coming on, if this new SEC Big Ten advisory group does for college athletics what the ACC Pac-12 Alliance did, Hardy Har, uh, we're in for a great show here. You know, you mentioned that you believe Greg Sankey wants to be the czar of college athletics. Isn't he already that? I mean, he governs the most powerful conference in all of sports. I would think he's pretty close to that without having that title. But you're right. The Big Ten and SEC have obviously stepped forward and said, we're going to be the two guys, uh, two conferences to lead us into the new era of college athletics, whatever shape, form, or fashion that is. And the rest of you can either jump on board or get left behind. So, but, it, but I think this is clearly a power move to start getting Power 5 football in particular away from everybody else. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I'm just glad, to be honest with you and totally seriously here, I'm glad somebody's doing something. I'm tired of wheels spinning. I'm tired of all this nonsense of the NCAA uh, leveling charges at schools that are meaningless. The charges are meaningless. I'm tired of this stuff. Uh, it's, it's time for some people, some adults in the room, uh, to take charge and to go out and make some meaningful uh, decisions and meaningful rules that will stick. You know, you got anything you do now when it comes to restraining the college athlete, both in terms of movement and financially, it's got to pass muster with the courts because everybody's going to take you to court now no matter what you try to do. If you try to put some sort of guardrails in, you try to put some restrictions in, this is the position they have put themselves in. How are you going to get it through the courts when you're challenged? That you got to you got to have something that will survive those kind of challenges. And I'm not sure they can come up with anything like that without having Congress without having Congress give you uh, antitrust exemptions. Listen well, to me, I sound like a daggum lawyer. I should go work for Jim Corbett. <laughs> I'm impressed with your knowledge of the law, but I think you're spot on because I think we're going to have to get to a situation, and as, as much as I don't want to see the federal government step in here, you've got to have some sort of federal guardrails and guidelines where teams in South Carolina are on the same plane as teams in Texas and then are on the same planes as teams in Minnesota and on the same plane as a team out in California. If not... You, you're not. This is not going to work. And hopefully, when we get into this new modern era of college athletics, whatever shape it takes, we can come up with some new nomenclature as well, and mm. we can stop calling these kids student athletes because, let's face it, they are pro athletes. And also, let's stop the name, image, and likeness, and just call it what it is. It's pay for play. Mm-hmm. They have the kids don't go out and, and market their name, image, and likeness. It's nowhere close to what it was designed to be. They're being paid to play, so let's call them what they are: pro athletes. And let's move forward from there. Stop the student-athlete stuff because how many people talk about their academics and their degrees anymore? Yeah. When's the last player you came out that said, boy, I was excited that I got my degree over my NIL money? I mean, they're still pumping out the all-ACC academic team and the all-SEC academic team, and that's great. I applaud any player I, I do too. who can make good grades and, and play at a, at a high level. Congratulations. But, I mean, my belief has always been, and I still believe it today, 99.9% of the fans don't give a rip about the academic side. Never have, never will. Even less so now that the players are being paid. They're all about the W's, more so than ever before. They're also about gambling, uh, which is why we're seeing this television explosion, I think. I think it's why we're seeing, like I just saw ES, of course, you know, ESPN uh, pats themselves on the back for everything, but, you know, 
that the numbers, the viewership numbers, apparently for the uh, the Pro Bowl games last night, they say were way up with um, young kids and and I guess adults as well. And I and I'm wondering, you know, is there gambling on that out there? Can can you get some money down on what's happening with that? I'm sure you can, and I'm sure that's got something to do because for me as a sports fan. I see absolutely no reason to watch that. I mean, I see what is the redeeming value of sitting there and watching pro football players play dodgeball or Outside go through it being funny? I guess. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I mean, that's just that's just me. And I think I consider myself the biggest sports fan in the world, but I don't want to sit there and watch that. You know, sure. I could care less. You, you obviously feel like football is too dangerous to play it in an all-star game, you know. So now you've come up with this stuff, and uh, you got your networks involved, and you got your sponsors involved, and uh, uh, people are watching. So, what does that say about me? Because uh, I was watching, like watching the Lakers and Celtics last night. The Lakers well, win without LeBron James and then Anthony Davis. I see, mean, who would want to watch that? See, I knew you were going to get to that. <laughs> I have. I'm going to say this because I don't want to make this all about me. That's not my style here on the show to make it all about me and my teams. Right? You don't. Hardly ever hear me talk about the Packers, the Yankees, and oh, the Celtics. Gosh, no. No? That was the single most sickening NBA game I have ever watched as a Celtics fan. The single most sickening performance I have ever seen. And I've seen a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the ones that, you know, break your heart. And I've seen the ones that make you go ecstatic. That performance, those guys, they should give the money back to the fans for that performance that was absolutely pathetic i mean you were playing well, the, the jv team yeah. you were playing the <laughs> lakers jv team and you just you mailed it in that was an embarrassment to the entire organization i hope some people got reamed in that locker room and today in practice you know those are the that's the kind of performance where you come to practice the next day there should be no basketballs you're doing nothing but running gassers. Can you do that with <laughs> professional athletes now? Can you just no, you make can't. them run gassers? You can't. There's no way that would be be kosher in a NBA locker room. But here's the bigger problem: that game is meaningless in the grand scheme of things. The Celtics are not going to, to me. be either the one or two seed. I, I get it. You know, it's on the a Lakers regular game basis. You got to understand that, if you're if you're a, a Celtics or fan, NFL football game. Well, but if you're a Celtics fan, there is nothing bigger other than winning the championship. Then beating the Lakers and vice versa. The Lakers want to beat the Celtics worse sure. than anything else. And, I mean, they put a shell of a team out there, and they play great. The worst shooting three-point team in the league goes out and makes what, 15 of 30? 19, I think it was, God. because if I'm not mistaken, it's one of the rare times that they've made as many uh, three-pointers, 19, as they made two-pointers, 19. I mean, they're not a good team, the Lakers. They've, they've proven that all season long, even with LeBron and Anthony Davis, they're only a 500 team, but they look like a, a an 800 win team with with the way they played. <laughs> I just I'm so sick. Okay, that's enough of that. Won, but I was sick. If you I had was, won the game, if you had won the game without LeBron James and without it. Anthony Davis, I'd have counted okay, it. See? Yeah, I'd have so counted it. I, I get yeah. that, and you should. But my yeah, point was the season is so long. The season is so long. One game in early February is not going to determine and define that season. It is a bad loss, though, for the Celtics, but it doesn't hurt them anywhere close to what would happen if, you know, it happened in a college game, certainly in a football game. You drop a game like that when half the team shows up and you're really behind the eight ball here, I think they've got plenty of room to make up for it. 
I was just waiting for a time to jump in. Y'all were y'all were having a great back and forth there. <laughs> and that game last I night was care. just that's the funny part. Just Pat, ugly. I don't care. <laughs> I care. Well, hey, I always care. <laughs> at least y'all's teams, or maybe Chris. I don't know if you're a Hornets fan too. We've never really talked about that, but uh, at least your coach of the Celtics isn't talking about his own team having what was the quote Clifford said yesterday, where <laughs> something along the lines of like, "It's not that my team doesn't hustle or work hard or something. We just lack talent." He publicly called out his Ouch. team as having no talent. Like, how is practice going to go the next day? How is he expecting to have these folks want to play hard for him moving forward? I'm not sure the Hornets are going to go in any kind of upward trajectory anytime soon. So at least watching two teams look competitive last night was was well, nice. One team. One, one yeah, team fair. looked competitive. But I do have to go back a few minutes just to y'all talking about um, – I know we all, all have different opinions on it, but talking about student-athletes, I, I at least want to point out graduation rates amongst Division One athletes has never been higher in the, in the history of collegiate sports. Ever since the GSR was created back in 2002 – Back then, the uh, for Division One athletes, the graduation rate in 2002 was 74 percent. 2023, this past May graduation, 91 percent. So student athletes are actually performing better now than at any point in history. You're going to keep calling them student athletes because that's what they are. 91 percent are graduating. I just I think right now we focus too much on the players that leave early, the one and dones in basketball, or the ones who leave after three years in baseball or football. We focus on the folks that are not graduating as opposed to those who are graduating. And I just think back to stories from what, whether when I was in college or cousins who were older or parents who were older in college or when y'all were in college is, is uh, not y'all, sorry, Chris, Phil, when you were way back when, when you were in college is <laughs> did student athletes even go to, even go to class? Did they even care? I mean, I, all I ever heard about was how easy it was. In my, mm. in my time in college, I took lots of classes with student athletes who busted their tail and were working working their their hineys off to, to do well in school so it just it it cuts deep when i hear we talk we, we try to demean these student athletes as not doing well in school when again the numbers prove that that is completely factually false well and and i i think that's a great point to bring up pat and and i'm very proud of my degree phil i'm sure you are as well pat you are as well and my to answer your question my roommate to play basketball in college got an electrical engineering degree and a master's in business well, who so wouldn't yeah, be proud of a harvard actually, degree of course i'm proud of my degree <laughs> will shipley graduated from clemson with a perfect 4.0 that's impressive but the, the only thing i would ask about that stat and i'm not trying to dismiss it but how do you factor in kids who have gone through two or three or four different schools what is the, the, the value of their, their degree versus a player who comes into Columbia or Clemson or Coastal Carolina and steps on the, uh, the field or the floor as a freshman and walks out four, four and a half, five years later with a degree, uh, you know, at the same school? Is, are all those being factored in? Is somebody who went to four different schools, do they factor in in that 91% that sure. you brought up, Pat, the same way that someone who steps on campus and goes all four and a half or five years or four years and gets his degree? I think – I don't think you can compare the two. And that's where I'd like to see a breakdown of the difference where you have kids who are getting three and four different opportunities and, and how much of a value their degree is versus yeah. someone who really appears academics matter as much as athletics do. That's fair. And to be honest, I don't mind sharing this. I went to three different schools. I transferred twice in college as well. I went far away from home all the way to Ole Miss right out of high school, went from a private school here, Heathwood, out there, and was just too far from home, homesick. Suddenly didn't have mom and dad looking over my shoulder, got myself in trouble. I came, get that. Came back here, went to Midlands Tech for a year, busted my tail, got a 4-0 there, and then got into Clemson where I ultimately mm -hmm. graduated with multiple degrees. 
And so, I mean, mm-hmm. I was a part of that, but I, I, I held a very high GPA. So I don't necessarily – I get what you're saying, and that is a fair point. But, um, but just because you go to multiple schools, too, you still have to pass the classes. You still have to get the degree. You still have to, to do all the examinations and whatnot. But I do get what you are saying. I just, mm-hmm. just wanted to throw that in there. One degree, one school. Corn. One degree. Same here. <laughs> one school. Got it done in four years, $350 a semester. Parents couldn't have been happier to get me done. Part of me almost me wishes you had gone to Nebraska <laughs> just so you could be a corn that was a corn husker. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool now. It would. That'd be pretty that would cool. be great. All right, uh, let's go to Gamecock Larry. Phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. And get things rolling. Uh, Gamecock Larry has been red hot. And let's see what sort of insight he has for us tonight heading into the weekend. Gamecock Larry, welcome in. How are you? Yeah, Gamecock Larry, turn your radio down. Turn the radio down, get to your phone. Is he there? Gamecock Larry might have fallen asleep. We can check back with him in one moment. All right, do that, and then I'll also mention here that the preseason ranking for ACC baseball came out today, and the Atlantic Division, Wake Forest, number one. The overall champion is Wake Forest. Uh, Then Clemson. NC State, Florida State, Louisville, Notre Dame, Boston College, Coastal Division, Virginia, North Carolina, Duke, Miami, Georgia Tech, West Virginia, Pitt. Again, with Wake Forest predicted to be the uh, overall champion by the coaches. Uh, Chris Miller, football coach of uh, extraordinary skills and talent and career, is calling it a career. Pete Yannity reported this today up at Channel 7. In Spartanburg, former Spartanburg Burns and Broom head coach Chris Miller retiring after 43 seasons at the wow. four area high schools and five state championships, a record of 168 and 88 as a head coach, spent a lot of time as an assistant coach, won state titles at Burns in 07, 08, 2010, 2011. So uh, he, he, uh, yeah, he was, defense was his thing, man. He could really coach defense. Tremendous coach, and uh, congratulations to him on uh, reaching retirement. Hope things go well. Let's try uh, Gamecock Larry again. We're going to try him again. Did you chastise him for not being ready? Gamecock Larry. I tried to wake him up, but I could actually hear him snoring fairly audibly on the phone. So maybe, maybe we maybe we give him another minute to wake, wake back up. Larry, if you're listening, wake up. Is that is that a true story? <laughs> All right. We won't go to Gamecock Larry if he was snoring in the background. I don't think that'd be apropos. We're going to him? No, I, no. I, I'm not exaggerating. He, he's, he's literally snoring. <laughs> oh, wow. That's what sports talk can do for you, ladies and gentlemen. You're having a hard time falling asleep. We can help you. We can help you get to those Zs in a hurry. Uh, from the Senior Bowl, South Carolina Spencer Rattler was named the top quarterback on the American team in a vote from defensive teammates. Interesting, they have the defensive guys vote on that. No surprise. I think Rattler's going to be a good pro for somebody. And also, former Gamecock running back Marshawn Lloyd with Southern Cal was named the top running back on the national team. That was a vote from the linebacker teammates at practice. So Rattler's gone out there and done some good things. And obviously, you play well in the Senior Bowl. Then you go to the combine, you have a good showing there, your stock goes up, 
as a quarterback. I wonder if his height is going to concern uh, the NFL people. Though you do have number of quarterbacks, I guess, about his size and height doing well in the NFL. When Drew Brees first came into the league, of course, that was the big knock on him. He's not tall enough. He won't be able to handle. He won't be able to see over his own offensive line, even though he was able to do it you know, at Purdue and in college and mm-hmm. didn't seem to bother him. I'm not sure that's as big a deal, and I'm not an NFL scout, so maybe it is, but I, I think you're right, Phil. I don't think it's nearly as big a deal as, say, it was, say, 15 or 20 years ago. All right, going to hit the break here at the bottom of the hour, and we'll come back with more, including comments from USC football coach Shane Beamer. And we'll also hear from his new special teams coordinator who was uh, brought in from the NFL primarily with a ton of NFL experience. That's coming up after the bottom of the hour break. We're debating. <laughs> We're debating whether or not to bring Gamecock Larry up on the air while he's sleeping. What's your vote, Chris? Yay or nay? There's a mean streak in me. You know that mean little kid that would take out the magnifying glass and try and burn ants during the summertime. Want just to bring? to bring him up. I didn't realize I had that kind of co-host. Burn ants? And I, I've heard. I've heard. I, I would never uh-huh. do such a thing. I've uh-huh. heard. But would want to bring Gamecock Larry up, but the professional broadcaster in me says, no, mm-hmm. let's make sure he's awake and alert before we do so. Uh, Pat's checking again. He's checking again. He's, he's checking again. So we'll find out in just a second. Uh, Clemson today handed out extensions and raises to assistant coaches. Uh, Goodwin and Eason now in the Millionaire Club. The Compensation Committee, Clemson Board of Trustees, rewarded defensive coordinator Wes Goodwin, uh, defensive ends coach Nick Eason for the performance of their unit last season with raises that will take them over the $1 million mark for the 24 season. They also received one-year contracts. In fact, all of the returning assistant coaches received one-year extensions and raises except offensive coordinator Garrett Riley, his salary, will remain at $2 million for 2024. He did receive a one-year extension. Sweeney, of course, added two new coaches this offseason, offensive line coach Matt Luke, defensive ends coach Chris Rumpf. So here's the breakdown. Rest Goodwin, a year extension through 2027. His new salary, $1.4 million, up from eight fifty. Defensive line coach Nick Eason, one-year extension through twenty seven. 24 salary, 1.1 mil, up from 800,000. Cornerbacks coach Mike Reed, a one year extension, 24 salary will be 900,000, up from 800,000. Safeties coach Mickey Kahn, again, they all got one year extension, so I'll stop mentioning that. His 24 salary, 900,000, up from 800. Tight ends coach Kyle Richardson goes from 500 to 600. Receivers coach Tyler Grisham, 450 to 550. Running backs coach C.J. Spiller, 450 to 550. And again, Riley got the one-year extension, but his salary will remain the same. So, two, th- 
two things on that, Phil. I think yeah. first off, mm-hmm. Nick Easton is a rising star. I think that's a really smart decision on Clemson's side of the coin. And also, did they put a Boston College clause in Mike Reed's contract? Because I've seen his name starting to be rumored about to replace Jeff Halfley uh, up at BC. Yeah. I don't know. Um, i got to believe that if he gets an opportunity to become a head coach at his alma mater. Right. Uh, be hard and, to tell him no, right? Exactly. And, and of course, that would pay him that would pay him more than what he's getting at Clemson, too, when you, when you add it all up. All right, so Gamecock Larry, did you roust him? Okay, let's give it a whirl one more time. Gamecock Larry, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Phil, how do you know I was asleep? Well, not, either I didn't know um, I was laying. I was laying here and was thinking. I want to think. Put me on when I was kind of dove. But I, yeah, I told you I was eating out. I'm getting to be an old man. I got to rest when I can. I understand. You've had a hard week. <laughs> Boy, we have a good got a good week so far. So I'll tell you what. The latest played the worst game of the. Of the season last night, and still won by twenty-two. Mm. Now that's a pretty, that's a pretty good thing, isn't it? You play your bad worst game you played all season, and still win by twenty-two. Man, oh man, we gonna go. Well, that's but just their another. that's their depth. That's the quality of their depth. They they have a starter out with an illness. They can bring somebody in who could just as easily be a starter. A starter, and they don't miss a beat. Oh, that's not, that's a good death, and also that's a good. We got a good coach. Uh, number two, we gonna have to beat Georgia tomorrow. When we beat Georgia, then we gotta win Sunday. When Ole Miss come to town, and Ole Miss might give us a run for our money. Hmm. But Monday afternoon, I'm gonna call back in for the second week in a row. Or no, or no. Ask Pat, did it have me snowing? I, I got it. Well, we just heard you keep. I heard you keep saying. Uh, I heard you keep saying, "Mama, Mama, come and get me, Mama, Mama, come and get me." Uh, okay. okay, you all have a good weekend. I love all y'all, but you have to give, forgive the old man, okay? Actually, I, it really I, wasn't. Not... It wasn't Mama. I just didn't want to say what you were really saying. So, <laughs> okay. nah, we love you, Larry. Larry, I'm, I'm glad we could help you. I'm glad we could help you get to uh, rim sleep. I hope you're getting some good rim sleep going on there. Okay, have a good one. Love all y'all. Talk to you later. All right. Talk Larry, to you all next good, week. Larry. All right, Larry, thank you very much. Appreciate that. We did have him snoring, didn't we? Yes. Oh, he was He was genuinely snoring. Hey, he, he was hopefully having some good dreams, probably about his Gamecocks, probably right now about the, the great men's and women's basketball teams, the seasons they're having. So he's probably having some good dreams these nights. I would think so, if he's thinking about his Gamecocks. All right, uh, speaking of the Gamecocks, today Shane Beamer, had a uh, meeting with the media uh, late this uh, late this morning, where he officially introduced his new uh, special teams coach, who also carries a an additional title with him, Joe DeCamillis. Uh, but primarily, he's going to be the special teams uh, coordinator, and he comes in with a tremendous reputation 
from a long career in the NFL. He spent last year working as an analyst with Texas. Almost went back to the NFL until this opportunity came to pass. Let's listen to some comments from Beamer first about his uh, new hire and some things about his team. Here's Shane Beamer. All right, appreciate it. Sorry we're a couple minutes late. Just finished up a team workout out there on the field with our guys. Um, love the way they're working right now. It's been a really good three weeks here in the month of January, recruiting-wise. Today's the last day uh, that we're allowed to be out on the road uh, recruiting. So we've been out pretty much every day the last three weeks and seen a lot of great prospects, been into a lot of high schools and and a new rule this year where we're uh, able to have contact with 2025s, meaning juniors in high school, and sit down and visit with them. So that's been awesome, being able to you know have their families come up to the high school and be able to sit down with them legally. Uh, it's really, really helped a lot and, and um, have enjoyed our time out as well. We've had prospects in the last three weekends, including the weekend coming up as well for visits here on our campus. We've got a good group of guys that will be here tomorrow and Sunday, and then recruiting travel part of it and visit shut down for a while that's what february is february is a dead period after this weekend and then cranks back up in march but have gotten a lot done recruiting wise over the last month want to thank uh everyone that's created some awesome environments in colonial life for basketball games we've had a lot of recruits there and the uh, like i told the everyone last week when i spoke at the basketball game those environments resonate and wherever i go uh recruiting wise seems like both of our basketball teams and their success continues to come up so congrats to them don and lamont and thanks to our fans for the environment that have been created for uh fan, for our recruits that have been there was down at the senior bowl on wednesday and had a chance to watch uh, xavier and, and spencer practice and it's great seeing those guys first of all two great representatives of our program so really enjoyed getting to watch them but also getting to talk to them and visit with them and been great getting to hear from so many NFL personnel while we were down in Mobile that afternoon uh, about both those guys and how impressive impressive they've been not just on the field in practice but in interviews that take place down at the Senior Bowl and whatnot as well so wish them luck in the game tomorrow and then Marcellus Dial I know was part was part of the uh, East West game this week East West Shrine game and and I've uh, heard great things, great feedback from that week. Also, uh, eager now that recruiting travel closes up this week, eager to really completely jump in with our current team in the month of February. That's what February is. We've been utilizing some times during the week within recruiting like we did this morning with our team. But since no one's going on the road recruiting after today, uh, all of February will be with our players and here in Columbia and excited about the progress they've made in the weight room over the last month and and uh, looking forward to completely jumping in with them. Like I said, as we gear up towards the start of spring practice, I think David asked me last time, that'll be uh, Tuesday, March 19th. I believe that's the correct date. So Tuesday, March 19th will be our spring game as well. Um, so I uh, know you're all here to meet Joe today. Uh, could not be more pumped about him joining our staff. Uh, he's jumped right in to everything with our players, our staff, uh, full speed ahead uh, with him. Someone who our relationship goes back, I guess, 20-plus years back to when I was an assistant coach at, at Mississippi State, and my dad brought Joe up uh, to visit with the, the staff at Virginia Tech from a special team standpoint. He was with the Falcons at the time, and a lot of the things my dad did on special teams all the way to the end of his career are things that he learned from Joe that day. Uh, he was with the Atlanta Falcons at the time. We had a kickoff return until the day my dad retired called Falcon 
that Joe had in, installed when he came to Virginia Tech. Um, uh, the pump protection we used at Virginia Tech was what Joe had taught my dad that day as well. And I guess it's longer than 20 years. I was a graduate assistant at Georgia Tech back in 2000, and that was the year that Mike Vick got drafted by the Falcons and and Dan Reeves. And I was living in Atlanta and went up to Flowery Branch to watch them practice some. And I guess that's when we first connected and have just kept in touch over the years. Foundation that a lot of my dad, a lot, the foundation that my dad did a lot of his stuff, I said, came from Joe and then myself included. A lot of the things that I believe in and have done as a special teams coordinator learned from him. Uh, Carolina Ties, his father in law, uh, God rest his soul, was Dan Reeves, great Gamecock as well. So this place has a special place in his heart as well. He's about relationships. It's cool hearing from so many guys that he has been around in the NFL. I got a text message from Spencer Lanning the other day. Not many people in here will remember Spencer other than maybe Reggie Hale and David so the Pete baby um, as well some of the old guard as well but Spencer sent me a text message about uh, about Joe as well I said it last week when I talked to you guys at the basketball game I wasn't going to hire a special teams coordinator unless I felt like I could bring in somebody that could truly make us better and uh, was a star at that. And when you are able to hire a guy that's been in the NFL for 30-plus years, has won two Super Bowls, uh, has been an interim head coach, had other NFL teams, not to get you know too into that, but had other NFL teams that were trying to hire him last week and chose to stay in the college game as opposed to going back to the NFL. I mean, it's a huge, t- huge statement about our program and, and uh, will be an, and is already an awesome hire for us. The year that he spent at the University of Texas last year, I think, convic- gave him great conviction that college game is, is uh, pretty special and where he wants to be. And obviously that speaks volumes that he's, he chose to come here as well. Talk to those guys at Texas, some of the players and coaches out there that I know and, and that's what they said is they couldn't believe that this guy hadn't been in college football his entire career because of the way that he was able to affect that team, connect, build relationships uh, on and off the field without a doubt uh, as well. So he'll make us better. And uh, this is an awesome, awesome hire for us and one that I know Gamecock fans are really ecstatic about. Hey, Shane, are, are you more excited for Joe, the special teams coach who can revitalize things, or, or Joe, just the – the guy will be a couple doors down and you can pick the brain of and, and learn more and, you know, grow. I'd say both. Um, great question. Uh, both, you know, very much. I mean, wherever he's been, I've always kept in touch with him. I mean, there was a time he was the special teams coach of the Jaguars and I was here working with Coach Spurrier and there was a, an assistant special teams job open on his staff that I was very intrigued by and it didn't work out and I'm blessed it worked out for everybody uh you know who knows what happens if if that move happens but here I am today and that's the perfect way for this thing to to go but whether whether he was with Jacksonville or whether he was with the Dallas Cowboys or the Atlanta Falcons or Los Angeles Rams I would I kept in touch with him and always tried to pick his brain from a special team standpoint, uh, drills standpoint, because he's 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 brilliant. One of the and the fact of the matter is he's one of the greatest special teams coaches in the history of the game of football. I mean that's just facts. So from a special team standpoint, absolutely. Then the fact that he's been around the college game for a year and has been able to add that because the college game's different, the rules are different, and field dimensions are different. But being able to take that 
and add to what he's already done. But then just his background, I mean, I'd be crazy not to pick his brain on stuff. He's won Super Bowls. He just coached in a college football playoff game and won a conference championship with Texas. And and I know he was very um, connected with Coach Sarkeesian with a lot of that. And he and I had a great conversation about Joe, uh, Coach Sarkeesian and I did, and, and that's one thing he said. So just being able to kind of like with the special teams coach, no matter who you are, you have to have relationships with everyone on the team. It's the same thing. If you're a special teams coach, you've got to be involved in all three phases of the game, game management and things like that as well. And I love that part of it, but being able to pick his brain on the strategy, the game management, team building, all that as well. Special teams-wise, you've got to be able to motivate everyone to play special teams and and I've watched him live and in practice and and don't know if anybody does it better Shane Beamer from earlier today we'll hear from Joe DeCamillis in the uh, second hour and uh, certainly sounds like Chris from everything uh, Beamer has said uh, this offseason really likes the hires that he has made and he kind of feels like uh, that uh, you know if he hasn't improved in those positions he's at least uh, met the level that was uh, left behind by those that departed his his hiring of um, uh, the moving of of uh, step over to tight end uh, seems like that's going to work out uh, just fine and uh, bringing Coley in to coach uh, wide receivers as part of that move after Jody Wright left and now of course he hired a, a new running backs coach uh, the the thing is there were a lot of people suggesting that he was going to make massive changes after this past season. Right. You know, this guy was going to be gone. That guy was going to be gone. He actually only fired one of his coaches, and that was the running back coach. Everything else was made, the moves were made out of necessity, starting, of course, when Jody Wright got the head coaching job at Murray State. So then he moves the uh, the tight ends coach over. He hires Coley. Then he loses uh, his special teams coach to become the head coach at Buffalo, and so he has to go hire a new special teams coach. So he really only made one decision of on his own, at least at this point. You know, funny things happen after the second signing day, but I don't foresee anything else happening with this staff unless somebody leaves for some other position, a head coaching job or something like that. I don't see anything else happening with this staff uh, at this particular time. What I find most interesting about the changes on the USC staff, Phil, if you had asked us or any Gamecock fan at the end of the season, Shane Beamer is going to have, what, four positions that change during the offseason? Every one of them you would have thought would come on the defensive side, right? Because if you asked USC fans during the season, they they felt pretty comfortable with the offense except for the running game. Mm -hmm. They felt pretty comfortable, even though the special team's probably not as good as it was the year prior under Pete Limbo. But everything has come on the offensive side if you lump in the special teams. And you talk about the uh, trying to at least meet the standard that has been set. DeCamillis has a pretty big task in front of him because Pete Limbo set that special teams unit up for success at all times but it's it's fascinating to me he talked to Shane Beamer talked about you know he remembers this guy when he went to visit with his dad and Virginia Tech actually instituted some of the concepts that he employed during a clinic and just gives you an idea I think of the respect that Shane Beamer had from a long time ago for Joe T. Camillus and this opportunity to hire him I think was set in stone from many many years ago yeah good point and so we have a start date for USC Spring Ball, March 19th. David Hood from TigerNet reported that, from what he's hearing, it looks like Clemson spring practice will start on February 28th with their spring game on April the 6th. Okay? We'll be back after this break. Don't go away. 
this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Hi, yes, uh, I'll have the club sandwich and house salad. You got it, sweetie. I'll throw in a pair of designer sunglasses as well. Um, just lunch, thanks. How about a week at my boss's oceanfront villa? What? When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises. Today's special, a trip to low Earth orbit in a private spaceship. Join the Players Club at seeducationlottery.com because more happens here. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. What's a deductible, you say? That's the price you have to pay before the insurance will say we'll help you. They keep that number out of reach because they know that you won't reach that number because they know you're healthy. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible Six oh five seven nine oh five Seven two seven is the area code Coming up on the top of the hour here on Sports Talk, phone number 888-898-2525. couple of other quick notes. Liam Cohen going back to the NFL. After a season back at Kentucky as a QB coach, OC coach, he is headed to Tampa Bay to fill that position on the offensive staff there. The latest bracketology from Joe Lenardi of ESPN. The Gamecocks are now at number six seed playing Indiana State. In Memphis, wonder if Larry Bird would go to that game. If Larry Bird's there, Corn is there, and Clemson, <laughs> the number seven seed, playing the Nebraska Corn Huskers in Pittsburgh. 
that's what he's got. Former Gamecock standout defensive back Corey Peoples expected to be hired by Georgia Tech as their new defensive back coach. He's been at Georgia State. Uh, Let's go to Bruce in Mizzou. Next phone call here on Sports Talk before the top of the hour. Welcome in, Bruce. How are you? Wow. Following Gamecock Larry is an honor, man, I tell you. Especially when he's snoring on the air. Yes, that's that's quite the honor. He he deserves a rest. Give him peace. He deserves it. (laughs) Don't, don't say rest in peace to him. No, that might be <laughs> taking it a bit too far. Well, he's, he's in another zone, okay? Yeah. Anyway, now listen to Beamer. I, I had, when he got the job, I told, I just came on and, and backed him up. If y'all will leave him alone, he will be one of the greatest coaches you ever had. He's going to follow his father's footprint. In, in that position, because what his father did, and I'll never forget this as long as I live, I was hired by Clemson University straight out of college to be over the photography staff at Clemson University. <clears throat> so Go I quickly. Just, we got about 30 seconds. So anyway, I knew they were going to block a punt at the goal line at the Clemson, and they did block the punt. And I got it on, on film and put it out. And I got it called up. We don't do that at Clemson. We want to show Clemson's uh, players, not the other team. Mm. So, but that's Beamer ball. Yep. Hey, we got to run. Uh, thank you, but you're right. His dad did establish it, and he's trying to pick up on it, and we'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, we're back. Hour number two, Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Great to have you with us. Phil Kornblut here, Pat Daniel here. And up there in the mountains of West Virginia, we have Chris Bergen. All right, so... We heard from Shane Beamer <clears throat> talking about Joe DiCamillis, his new uh, special teams coach, and is it assistant or associate head coach? Whatever. He's got one of, those, one of those titles, associate head coach. Kind of the same thing that uh, he had before uh, in that setting. And he's got an older guy that he can uh, talk to and run, th- run things by and kind of be a sounding board for him. So, Sounds like a win-win situation there for Beamer. And here is Joe D. Camillus. He was at the press conference today as well. He needed to be because he was being officially introduced. Here he is as he uh, gave some opening comments, then took some questions. You're jumping in where maybe some others are saying, you know, maybe I don't want to be part of this anymore. What do you see about the future of college football going forward and able to navigate some of these some of these new wrinkles? Well, first of all, um, I think in the kicking game, just talking about special teams overall, I think you can affect the college game a lot more than you can in the NFL. Um, example, uh, against Texas Tech, the last game, we covered seven kickoffs. All right? You don't cover seven kickoffs in a game, or excuse me, in a year in the NFL. So that is intriguing. I think you can affect the game a lot more in college than you can in the NFL right now, in my opinion, in the kicking game. That's the first thing. But the NIL and the collectives and all the stuff that's going on right now, it's, it, it kind of goes back to 
when free agency really started in the National Football League. And the teams that knew how to navigate that, they rolled. Dallas Cowboys, San Francisco 49ers. The teams that really knew how to operate in that arena, they were the ones that that got the uh, the spoils of it. And I think that's what you're entering into right now. I think the better you are at it, the 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 better you're going to be overall, right? And I do think that, you know, people think that um, that's going to not make it as pure a game. I think it's more pure, a lot more pure in college than it is in the NFL. I mean, I know right now there's nobody in the college game that's tanking. They're not trying to lose games to make sure they get a better draft choice, which to me, that's what you're talking about. That's what it's all about, in my opinion, is winning. What does it mean to you to work for a head coach in Shane Beamer who puts so much of an emphasis on special teams on game day? I mean, that's why part of the reason I'm sitting here, because I know what it means. You know, I mean, he was raised from his dad. His dad, like, when he called me to do that clinic, I was like, somebody's messing with me. That's not Frank Beamer, because at that time, there was nobody that was a better special teams guy, and probably really since. Um, So it was an honor to be there, but I know – the importance of it. And really, when you think about it, it's all about complementary football. You know, everyone says special teams, offense, defense, but how do we mesh it together? How does it work together? And I think that's that's what you have to look at. I don't I don't want to be looked at as uh, he's got the number one special teams. That's that's great. But did it help us win games? That's the most important thing going forward. I think that that's got to be on our minds and stats and all that other stuff. That's all great. But if we play complementary football the right way, we're going to be just fine. What's the key to getting kids excited about uh, playing special teams? Well, I think part of it obviously comes from the head coach. Uh, You have to have an organization that wants them to, or that they know the importance of it. Um, And then the other part of it is, that's another thing about college I think that's better than the pro game, is you're trying to develop a player that wants to be a great player on offense or defense. Okay, But if they show that they're a good player on teams – a lot of times he gets confidence in him, okay? The defensive coordinator, Clayton, gets confidence in him. Dow gets confidence in him. The receiver coach gets confidence in him. When you see him block tackle, when you see him run with the ball in their hands and do things that are positive, then it has a chance to help them all the way across. And you've got to show them, hey, man, if you do this right, you're going to get more playing time on offense or defense. I don't want a, just a guy that's going to just play teams all the time. I mean, yeah, they're great to have, but I want to see a guy graduate. I want to see a guy turn into a great player, and that's part of develop, developing players, in my opinion. Also, what, what stories did uh, Coach Reeves share with you about his time at South Carolina, just his love for the Gamecocks? Uh, he, he just um, he had a great, a great time here. Uh, he had a chance, just to tell you what kind of person he was, he had a chance after the uh, All-Star game in Georgia uh, – you know, he wasn't as highly recruited. He came to South Carolina, gave his word to come to South Carolina. He had a chance to go to Alabama, had a chance to go to Georgia. And he said, no, I've given my word to this man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up there and play for him. And I actually worked for uh, Coach Bass, who was uh, Dan's college coach. He was kind of the one that helped me out when I first got started because Dan had hired him there. But just, you know, just really how great a place this is. Um, he always talked about it in a way that was uh, – was special, and uh, I'm glad to be part of this special for sure. I know you're probably still trying to learn all your players' names and put them <laughs> with faces and all that, but after seeing them on the field this morning and, and maybe from what else you looked at on tape or whatever, what, what are your impressions of, of the guys you're going to 
get to work with this season? Oh, I think there's some real talent. I think um, I think they've done a great job of recruiting here, and um, you know it's starting to pay off. You can see that on the field. You saw that on the film that I saw. I mean, last year was last year, but there was a lot of injury situations that occur, and that's gonna that's gonna hurt a lot of teams, no matter who you are. So um, I think that uh, that they've done a great job of getting people here. I'm excited about it. The one thing, and I was talking to him about this today, is in pro football you don't you don't have near the numbers. At a college practice, it's unbelievable. So I'm trying to study their the way they look, how they, you know, what their names are, all that kind of stuff. They have it easy because they can say, "Hey, coach, we don't have that same thing." So you know, it's uh, that'll be a challenge. But just I think we got a lot of great players here, and hopefully, we can get them going in the right direction. All right, Joe D. Camillus. You know, in an age, Chris, where college coaches are fleeing the game because they don't yeah. want to deal with nil they don't want to deal with transfer portal john here's an older coach coming from the nfl and he's ecstatic about coming to college uh, football and giving it a shot i thought pete icabelli's question to him right off the bat in that soundbite we played was was fascinating to me i thought it was really interesting because you're right here's jeff halfley leaving boston college to go work with the green bay packers kentucky's oc as we pointed out he's leaving to go to the nfl and here's a guy up until last year that's all he had ever coached was in the NFL, and he talked about special teams in college, and this was really interesting to me, how it can affect change more so than ever could in the NFL. And I think he's right. You know, those seven kickoffs he said they covered uh, for the uh, Longhorns against Texas Tech last year more than he would have a chance to cover in an entire NFL season. I don't know that he's wrong, Phil, because I would bet if, if you want to look at a weird prop bet for the Super Bowl next weekend – kickoffs that aren't touchbacks i Mm. bet it would be under one i mean it's either going to be one or none uh that you get an opportunity to return a kickoff because the kickers in the nfl are so good they kick every uh kickoff into the back of the end zone so you don't get that opportunity so i think he's spot on and i think he likes that challenge that opportunity maybe to do some things at the collegiate level that he never got to do at the nfl yeah speaking of those prop bets we'll have lee sterling with us next week Excellent. He's working on his prop bets and everything else around the Super Bowl for us, so he'll be with us next week. And with that, let's go to the break. When we come back, we'll uh, give you the recruiting report for tonight. We'll also talk about the basketball games coming up tomorrow, in particular Virginia and Clemson and South Carolina, Georgia. Looking at some of the notes on Virginia, they're getting it together. Uh, They've won five in a row a third in the country in points allowed per game. So they're they're playing their style of ball under Tony Bennett, who's just a phenomenal coach. Been at Virginia since the 2011, I'm sorry, the 2010 season, and they've played great defense. Um, every year he's been there, they have been, except for, well, his first two seasons. But every year uh, since his first two seasons – his teams have been ranked in the top six nationally in points allowed per game. Right now they're third, allowing 57 wow. points per game. That is consistency. That's the thing. You know what you're going to get when mm-hmm. you face a Tony Bennett team. There's no question about it. Better protect the basketball and execute on offense because every single possession, it's going to be a rock fight tomorrow at Little John. And it's something I think Clemson's geared up for because that's Brad Brownell. He wants to play defense and keep it in a half-court game. But I think uh, free throw shooting is going to be critically important tomorrow. And turnovers obviously are going to be big. And, And clearly, Clemson cannot get dominated off the backboards the way Louisville did. That was a bad Louisville team. It didn't come back to haunt them. If Virginia dominates the backboards and collects as many offensive rebounds as the Cardinals did, Clemson's got no shot tomorrow. 
I make the argument, and you can counter me when we come back, that Brad Brownell is a better coach when he has players who are not so offensive-minded but are more defensive-minded. You'd like to have players who could do both. Hard to get that at Clemson, but I maintain they're better when they're like that. Be right back. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. We're a team that plays together. Listen, the winning will take care of itself. We just have to get everyone involved. In interscholastic sports, we celebrate what makes every one of us unique. And in the pursuit of a common goal, everyone in the huddle, in the bleachers, and in the community comes together. This message presented by the SCHSL and the South Carolina Athletic Administrators Association. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, it's the fall in South Carolina. That means it's deer season. What do people need to know about? That's right, Phil. It is deer season. We always want to remind hunters to identify your target. Know the identifying features of the game you're hunting. Make sure that it's a deer before you take that shot. When walking to and from your stand in low light, use a flashlight so that no one will mistake you for a deer. For more information on hunting safety and more information on deer season, listen to our show on Wednesday nights on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, recruiting report time here on Sports Talk brought to you by Seawells. Another big week of the daily luncheon buffet is behind us now. I hope you got a chance to get over there once or twice, maybe maybe three times. If I were you, I'd just, I'd just have my lunch there every day. 11 to 2, a great menu, a different menu every day, capped by typically the Roast Beef Friday attraction, rated number one in the world in buffets by your friends here at Sports Talk. So next week, make sure you get to Seawells multiple times to enjoy the daily luncheon buffet. It's only $14, and they have a wide variety of great food on the menu. For the very best in the catering business, 
you give Seawells a call as well. 803-771-7385 online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. So, a player South Carolina is focusing on is tight end Marshall Pritchett, 6'5", 205. He's out of Charleston, but he goes to school in Rabin Gap, Georgia. He's at a not sure it's a prep school. It's a uh, it's an away school, I guess you could say. But they have a high caliber football program. He was a primary tar- uh, target of Jody Wright's when he was at South Carolina. Then when the changes happened, and Justin Stepp took over at South Carolina as the tight end coach, he picked right up on it, and he's done a good job of stepping in and filling in the gap. And he really likes Justin Stepp. They've known each other for a while. He said he's starting to narrow things down. And South Carolina, he said, is definitely in it. If he could have a top five right now, he said South Carolina would definitely be in it. He's been talking to Shane Beamer, Dowell Loggins, about how they would use him as a hybrid-style tight end. And watching the team last season with Trey Knox, Josh Simon, even um, Nick Harbour, he saw how they would use these bigger guys. And he liked what he saw from the Gamecocks last season. Was there for a couple of games last season. So they've uh, put themselves in good shape with him right now. And, of course, being the, the home state school with him was something that's kind of important as well. So in January, he went to North Carolina, Duke, and Miami. Today he went to Georgia Tech. He's going to Georgia tomorrow. And Sunday he plans to visit Wisconsin. Last season, he caught 46 passes, 674 yards, and six touchdowns for a team that went 13-1. and So this is the last weekend for the 2024 recruiting season. Signing day comes up on Wednesday. From the standpoint of USC and Clemson, they appear set with their high school signees for the 24 class, focused totally on the 25 recruits and beyond. Unless they surprise us, now there's always a chance of having a surprise. I'm just saying based on what we know right now. The Gamecocks signed 15 high school recruits and one junior college transfer in December and have since added 18 signees from the transfer portal, John, to give them 34. Clemson signed 22 high school prospects in December and has not added any players from the portal, John. Two prospects are confirmed to have visits set with USC Saturday. One is Hammond tight end Mike Tyler, and the other is linebacker Zayden Walker of Ellaville, Georgia. There could be others, but those are the two that have been confirmed by us and others as being at South Carolina this weekend. New USC offers. The highlight one today was that the Gamecocks offered from Heathwood Hall cornerback Onus Conanbanny. And I think it was just a matter of time before they got around to offering him. He is considered nationally one of the better cornerback prospects out there. So the Gamecocks have joined uh, the others on his offer list. And we'll see what happens uh, with him and with them from there. So Onus Cannonberry gets the, the offer from South Carolina. Uh, other new offers from the Gamecocks. Linebacker Cameron White, Riverview, Florida. Running back Tavion Swint, Kissimmee, Florida. Cornerback Mark Manfred of Marietta, Georgia. Those are all in the 20 
5 class. In the 26 class, new offers from the Gamecocks. Linebacker Kedrick Golston, Washington. Defensive end Carter Meadows, Washington. Linebacker Tyson Harley, Washington. They're all teammates at Gonzaga High School. Wide receiver Caden Prothrow, Carrollton, Georgia. Defensive end Hezekiah Harrison, Anniston, Alabama. Linebacker Elijah Littlejohn, Charlotte. In the 27 class, cornerback Akadron Crumel, Nightdale, North Carolina. Defensive back Xavion Miller of Richmond. Defensive end Jaden Jones of Jeffersonville, Georgia. And that's it for the Gamecocks. USC 2026 commitment quarterback Landon Duckworth was offered by Texas A&M and Arkansas. JL Mann quarterback Ethan Anderson accepted a PWO offer from Clemson. The Tigers offered linebacker Chase Taylor, 6'3", 210 of Stockbridge, Georgia. Other visits this weekend. Defensive end Anthony Addison from Sumter to West Virginia. I'm sorry, was offered by West Virginia. So he was offered by West Virginia. He's actually visiting Tennessee tomorrow. But he was offered by West Virginia. Uh, Clemson target, offensive tackle Mal Waldrop was at Auburn today. He's going to go to Alabama tomorrow. USC target, quarterback Ryan Montgomery will be at Florida this weekend. USC target, linebacker Mantrez Walker will be at Florida. USC target, center Isaac Souls will visit Indiana tomorrow in Kentucky on Sunday. Clemson and USC target, safety Jordan Young will be at Florida State tomorrow. Clemson target, offensive tackle Mason Short will visit Florida. USC target, cornerback Christopher Hatfield, West Virginia. A lot of folks in West Virginia this weekend, Chris. You're up there with the stars, man. Clemson, like Clemson target cornerback DJ Pickett will visit to Oregon. Ridgeview receiver Stephen Collier goes to Virginia. Blythewood defensive end Sterling Sanders will visit Florida. And Gaffney offensive tackle Shed Surratt will visit Florida. Those are planned visits. Of course, things can change and guys can cancel, not show up, whatever. But that's what they have planned at this point. Remember to keep an eye on our, uh, our X page at Sports Talk SC on our website, sportstalksc.com, as we'll update things as we see them over the weekend. There you go with recruiting brought to you by Seawells. Okay, two let's talk some South basketball. Hmm? Yeah, two other South Carolina celebrities are up here as well here in Huntington, of course. The head coach at Marshall is the famous Dan D'Antoni, who has helped author the Myrtle Beach, uh, the Beach Ball Classic, and also longtime head coach at Sacristy High School, mm-hmm. uh, and also the bad boy of sports radio. Oh. Alex Smothers is evidently in town as well for the uh, weekend. Oh, well. Uh, already heard from Alan. I was going to say, are you, you guys going to be boys and hang out tonight? We are not tonight. I may try and catch up with him before the ball game tomorrow. It's a doubleheader tomorrow here, so I should have a little bit of time before the men tip off to uh, say hello to the bad boy. It's always good to catch up with him. Will he be sitting on the Marshall bench? Uh, he may try. I'm pretty sure he's going to be in Kelly Green and White, though. Probably not in teal, black, and bronze. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty positive. Yeah, yeah. that guy's got more favorite teams than <laughs> NC State, Marshall, Coastal. All right, so let's talk about South Carolina, Georgia. Gamecocks going to play in Athens tomorrow. Of course, they lost to Georgia earlier in the season. Um, Overall, they've had the upper hand against Georgia in recent years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Georgia coming in 14-7, 4-4 in the SEC. 
they have played people well. I mean, they played Tennessee well at home, lost that game, played Alabama well at home the other night, lost that game. The Gamecocks are going to bring their defense. You know that. Can they keep it up? I mean, game after game, the question is, can they keep it up with what they've been doing to this point? You wonder the mentality of Georgia going into this game, Phil. You talked about their game against Alabama. That was a contest at one point in time they led 17-2 to and ultimately gave up, I think, 58 points to Alabama or something ridiculous like that in the second half and, and lost the game. You wonder in a game like that, does that linger? And if you're the Gamecocks, you certainly hope so, and you want to take advantage of that tomorrow afternoon. And I always feel like the early afternoon games favor the road team as opposed to the home team because the teams don't have to stay around in the hotel. They get up, eat breakfast, go to, go to the gym and go play. And clearly, South Carolina should have won the first game. Make your free throws. It's, it's not a contest. They went seven, eight points. But they didn't. They missed their free throws, and they also got beaten on the backboards. And they can't allow that to happen. They've been the more physical team for the most part here of late during this win streak. They've got to keep that up tomorrow. They've got to rebound and knock some balls loose. They only forced seven turnovers out of Georgia in the first go-round and, and can't foul them. We can't have a game like we did the first go-round where we had, what, 60 free throw attempts between the two. That's not basketball. Nobody wants to see that. So keep them off the foul line. And I think the Gamecocks are the better team if, if they can do those three things. Georgia coming in averaging 77 points a game. So another team that can score. Uh, but South Carolina has, has, <clears throat> hasn't been fearful of that, and they've done a nice job holding high-scoring teams down like Kentucky and, and Tennessee. All right, let's go to Clemson and Virginia. And again, a situation where uh, Clemson can kind of right the ship, I think, by getting a win tomorrow over a very good, though not a ranked Virginia team, still a highly regarded Virginia team. Massive game, I think, Phil, in the ACC tomorrow. Uh, you've got Duke and North Carolina that will get all the focal focus. But I think in terms of the tournament, this may actually be more important. North Carolina and Duke are going to be in the NCAA tournament. The latest projections I've seen, the ACC right now sitting on about three bids. Mm. And the other one being Clemson. Virginia right now sitting on the bubble. They come in knowing tomorrow that's a quad one quality win on the road. And they're going to bring their defense too. And Clemson has got to match that intensity and find a way, as I mentioned earlier, don't get beat off the backboards and take care of the basketball because every possession in a game with Virginia is so critical. Got to find a way to score when you have the ball. Yeah. And considering they've got road games with North Carolina and Syracuse coming up, you don't want to you don't want to miss this one uh, at home. This opportunity. No. All right, going to hit the break. We got birdies, bogeys, and biceps coming up. George Bryan will join us. Special guest will be Will Miles, a former All American at South Carolina. That's coming up after the break here on Sports Talk. After a very, very hectic week here on Sports Talk, like nine and a half hours of nonstop gabbing, it's time to kick back, relax, put your feet up, pour yourself a little uh, tan-covered beverage into a clean glass and talk about the nice, easy game of golf. Now, George hates when I make it sound like golf puts you to sleep. 
We know better than that, George. Golf can be as exciting, as entertaining, as enthusiastic as anything out there. And you nailed it. It can be peaceful. <laughs> what a day we had in South Carolina and right here in the Midlands. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. And so uh, speaking of privilege now, we are in a privileged state, especially for golf. We have a very special guest with us, and I darked it at Selena Golf Club with this guest, former All-American at the University of South Carolina and All-Conference. So, Will Miles, we will get him. we got to get him to the tee quick. This guy mm. is a lot of fun, enjoys the game thoroughly, and can't wait to mix it up with him. There's a lot for us to discuss, a lot to cover. Well, and let's do it. He's Bill, standing I, by. He's on the tee box with bring, you right now. Bring him to the tee. Will Miles. He's got all kind of nicknames, and he's one of. He's really right now. I can call him one of my children because he's technically a Brian bro. Sort of. <laughs> is is one right. of his nicknames? Uh, Will hit it uh, country miles. Oh, I'm telling you, I played golf with him, and it was at least that. I try. I couldn't throw it by him. So I, where my drive was, hey, let's bring the tea. I'll tell you a story later. Welcome, right. Will. Come on in. Thanks, G3. Appreciate you having me on tonight. What a day we yeah, had well, out there. It was beautiful. Oh, and it, nothing like it on a uh, February day when it gets up over 60 degrees. Ooh. Brand new brand new golf course. Phil, I can't wait to have you out. And yeah, Patrick, I must have. Uh, can't I, go far. My phone must have been charging when you called me to invite me to come out to play with you guys today. So try try me again next week. I will, and I'm so sorry. I just got carried away, and I was kind of <laughs> lost out there. I, I was watching, but we, we want to go back over the credentials here for Will Hit It a Country Mile. I don't. Hey, he's, he's got all kind of nicknames. He's George and Wesley, one of his one of their uh, little brothers, younger brothers. Will recently graduated. He's going to fill us in in exactly one year. But former All American and All Conference at the University of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Looked up, looked him up on the internet just now or a few hours ago while I was out watching because one, <laughs> one of the young fans hanging around and he was a camera guy, cart guy, says, hey, are you good? <laughs> I thought it was beautiful. Question. What a question. So he still got, as far as, the internet says he still got a scoring record in an NCAA event down at a great golf course, Palmetto. So, Will Miles, welcome. We had a blast. Tell me some of your nicknames. What are you? What are you called by Brian Bros and others? Hmm. Mudball is probably my biggest nickname. <laughs> I got that one in college. Um, maybe complaining a little bit too much when it uh, rained a little bit and. The assistant coach nicknamed me Mudball, and it just kind of stuck. Mudball Miles. I like so, that. Mudball, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So that was a fun one that our old assistant coach, Jake Amos, gave me. Um, man, everything that comes out of Wesley's mouth, you know, it's uh, you never know what you're going to get. So I, I can get a new nickname almost every day I'm with him. Yeah. And so speaking of Wesley, you caddied, spent some time – caddying for Wesley, but the real, uh, let's get to what's most important. You got a lot of games. Take us through 
where you went from South Carolina, bring us up to speed. Where are you now? Yeah, so graduated in 2019 from Carolina, uh, decided to turn pro and play a little bit after school. Um, had some status on the PGA Tour Canada and Latin America. Uh, did a lot of Corn Ferry Monday qualifiers and Q School and all that good stuff. Uh, mini tours as well. Um, did that for probably better part of two and a half, three years. Um, and then kind of that last year, uh, Wesley was looking for a caddy and I was looking for just a little bit of a change of pace. So decided to give it a go. And we had a great run out on the PGA tour for a season. Um, had a blast doing it, learned a lot, got to visit a lot of cool places and, um, yeah, it was a great experience. So, um, did that kind of wrap that up middle of last year and decided to get into the working world. Um, so yeah, just playing some recreational golf right now. Well, that's uh, we we had the privilege today to play, and you haven't lost a step. His game spectacular, and one of the holes I hit my best drive of the day, and it was the closest one to him. Still, you couldn't holler, and he didn't know he, my eyes aren't good enough. He was a a small little blob, a blurry, was so far away. <laughs> so I decided to try to throw my ball from where I was to see if I could <laughs> see if I could get it to his ball. Well, I couldn't do it. So he hits it, uh, you're right, a country mile. And hey, So, Will, when I, I play golf with you, I left today, cannot wait to play tomorrow. Talk a little bit about what you enjoy about our great game. Well, first of all, I just love being outside, being outdoors, um, especially on a day like today. Um, early February and getting it in the 70s is, is perfect. Um, and getting out to Selena was was awesome. What an awesome new spot out there. Um, yeah, and then the people, um, you know, you get a good foursome of guys and girls. It's it's hard to have a better time, um, find a better way to spend an afternoon than, than out on a golf course. Um, and then the challenge, of course, it is challenging, and it'll test you mentally and physically. And um, so that part was a lot of fun in college and, and afterwards. So, but loved it as a kid when you could just go out by yourself. You didn't need a team full of people to go out there and play. You can, you know, play until dark during the summer and come home, eat some dinner and go back out and do it all again tomorrow. So just fell in love with it from an early age and, um, you know, still love the game, even though not playing as consistently as I used to, but um, still love the sport. Hey, we're going to take you down the road and ask you a lot of questions. And uh, so, Phil and Patrick, I will wear him out with questions. Y'all better jump in and ask if you want. I do have another one, though. You've been out on the tour. And uh, talk a little bit about the state of the game. We've we've had the conversation on the live, uh, about the live. Uh, talk about that. Talk about uh, – what you appreciate as a caddy and what the, what what you've seen out on the PGA tour in the last uh, short period of time, Will? Yeah. Um, it's been an interesting time in golf for sure with the creation of live. And then some news this week on the PGA tour, signing the deal with a private equity group. Um, so it's kind of been a fractured golf world, uh, not having the best players in the world play together all the time like they used to. Um, but, you know, as far as talent-wise, 
there's so many young guys coming out of college. We saw it earlier this year with Nick Dunlap, uh, who was at Alabama, and he won a PGA Tour event. So, I mean, there's so many young, talented guys making their presence known in the professional ranks. Um, Caleb Surratt's another one. He just joined Liv and played his first tournament today. Um, so there's – I tell you what, the game seems to be getting younger and younger, and the kids just seem to be getting better and better and hitting it farther. And um, the game's in a really good spot. I would love to see the professional guys come back together um, every week and play together. Um, but, you know, I think it's in a in a decent spot compared to probably a year ago. Um, and then real quick, G3, I'll give a quick shout-out. My old teammate, Keenan Husky, is playing on the Corn Ferry Tour this week, and he made a hole-in-one today. Mm. Made the cut. He's in the top 25 heading to the weekend. And you had a little <laughs> – we had a little 59 today. Had a little 59 today on the Live Tour. That's right. That's right. Joaquin Neiman. Yeah. Yeah. That's impressive that stuff. Fun? I mean, I'm telling you, these, these guys just aren't aren't scared of anything. I mean, just go low every week. That's uh, we we had that conversation about just how good they they were today. Don't necessarily have to uh, jump and take off down that road. I think there's <laughs> these young players are way better than their scoring. That's another topic. And uh, Phil Patrick, y'all got any questions? Uh, jump in. And uh, Will Patrick is uh, he loves the game. He might try to take a little nap on me every now and then, but I call it out. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And I'll jump in and give you one here, and this is its a bit of sad news, but also won't turn into good news. its I just actually saw this. Former NFL linebacker who then turned into a Hollywood star, probably most known for playing Apollo Creed in the Rocky movies, but then also in a personal favorite movie of mine, he was Chubbs Peterson and Happy Gilmore, the golf instructor who helped Adam Sandler turn from a kind of a Badgerbond uh, hockey player into a star golfer in that movie. He passed away today at the age of 76, so that was sad. But it makes me think back and reflect to Happy Gilmore. And one of my favorite movies as a kid, and it's one of the movies that actually got me into golf. It got me excited to play golf. And then, of course, I was very confused about golf etiquette because I was watching Happy Gilmore and very, very different from what you actually see on a golf course. But where I'm going with this is today's day and age, especially with the live golf, and now we're starting to see the PGA Tour adopt this a little bit, you think of the Ryder Cup. You think of the 17th hole out in Phoenix. And there's starting to be more fan participation. There's starting to be a lot, a little bit more, quote-unquote, like debauchery being allowed at golf events. Maybe not at the Masters or things like that, but at certain, certain times, certain places. Would love to get your thoughts on that, because I'm guessing we're about the same age, so you probably grew up watching uh, Happy Gilmore as well. Just your thoughts on how movies like that are affecting golf today and just kind of the evolution of the sport in modern times. Yeah, um, Happy Gilmore, an awesome movie. Tin Cup was another favorite of mine. Um, but yeah, I've definitely seen a trend in into changing the product on the golf course a little bit, um, and for the fans, which I think is is a great thing. You still have your, um, you know, your your meccas like. Augusta National and this week they're at Pebble Beach um, where, you know, you kind of get the history of the game too. Um, but I think it's a good thing. You know, it's all about got to evolve the, the TV product um, to make it more interesting for the fans. You got to make the experience at the tournaments uh, a little bit more fun for the fans and for the younger kids. Cause 
um, that's the next generation that's going to be playing the game and got to get more people into it. And, you know, G3 is a, a great one to, to go to and send your kids to to learn about the game. He's done a great job for a long time. Ain't no, <clears throat> ain't no doubt about that, but I want to remind you, and maybe G3 didn't share this with you, that <clears throat> when you're talking to uh, to me, the corn, you're talking to a course record holder at the uh, Scramble. <laughs> Don't know if you've played the Scramble yet over there, but uh, I did set the course record at the Scramble of um, 16. Was it 16? <laughs> Let me think. It's par three. The uh, Scramble yeah, two, spot. It's awesome. Two under. I shot. What'd you sh- have you Have you broken 16? I, I think I have, not to burst your bubble. And I, and I definitely know Wesley has. I've been a part of Wesley has. That was unofficial. I mean, I had the first. Okay, we'll move on from that. What I wanted to ask you, and thanks for playing along. What I wanted to ask you, though, in your career, professionally or as an amateur, uh, the favorite course that you ever played did you did you ever get a chance to play augusta national did you ever get a chance to play uh pebble beach i mean uh that those courses or others it, it, have you played those or there's some others that uh you have played that really stand out in your mind around the world yeah i'll give you a quick story um i was fortunate enough to play augusta national my senior year of college um i had a family friend that um was able to let me and my dad come out for my birthday that year. Ooh. And we got there about 45 minutes before the tea time. You know, you're not supposed to show up too early. And then, so we show up, go in the locker room, change our shoes, um, washing my hands, and hear a voice in the locker room that I've heard a thousand times. And I look up in the mirror, and it's Peyton Manning behind me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Peyton Manning was there with Jerome Bettis. And Rick Barnes, the basketball coach at Tennessee. Um, so, and I was—I grew up a huge Peyton Manning fan. So that was that was an absolute highlight for me. And my dad was a, also a big fan of his. So got to play Augusta National, and what an unbelievable place! I didn't play my best golf. I think I was so in awe of the golf course. Yeah. But um, I mean, it definitely lives up to the hype, and just such a special place. I can imagine. Once you've played there, I guess everything else is second place. Uh, there's some other good secrets out there that, that don't get as much run, but um, Augusta's certainly special. Golf over in Scotland's really unique and, and a very cool experience. Um, I got to play Royal Dornock over there. Mm. Um, probably not one that will ring a lot of bells for folks, but just a, a true golfing experience. Um, that certainly should be on people's bucket list. George, well, hey, I, I tell you, oh, go ahead. No, he's, he, he didn't mention Palmetto. He's got, he had, <laughs> a, a, still, I didn't check, didn't follow up to see if he still got the collegiate record, but I would have, I would have thought that would have been on the short list. Now, Will, he's got at the Palmetto well, Collegiate, he, he held uh, the scoring record at Palmetto for a number of years. And I think he's probably still got it. It's it's certainly on my list. G three, um, if you if you want to bring it back stateside, uh, we've there's so much good golf in South Carolina. I mean, Palmetto's his, in a historic venue. Um, you know, I had a special week there in college. Um, we won there as a team, which was a lot of fun. Um, you've got Congaree down in the Low Country, Harbor Town. We're just 
very fortunate with where we live to, to have so much good golf in our area. And the new Selena Club here in Columbia uh, will be a great spot too. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm it, waiting on my I'm waiting on my invite to get out there real quick before you guys uh, before we lose you. I want to get through the the uh, the two tours here real quick so we can comment on what's happening this weekend. So we do have Pebble Beach, and by the way, I was saying last night, George, they had a camera angle. I don't know what hole it was. Had a camera angle facing a shooting a tee box with the ocean behind the guys, and the angle made it look like the Pacific Ocean was going to swallow these guys. You could see the big waves behind him as they were teeing off. It's just simply awesome. But the uh, the leaderboard, Thomas Dietrich and uh, Scotty Scheffler. Scheffler is 64, Dietrich uh, a 65, and also Ludwig Aberg a 65. So Dietrich is 70, Aberg is 65, Scheffler is 64. They are tied at 11 under par. Patrick Cantlay is 70. He's at 10 under par. Justin Thomas is 67. He's at 9 under par with a few others. We only have one state player in the field, uh, Lucas Glover, 73-74, uh, plus 3 for him. Rory is 74 today, plus 1. Jordan Spieth is 69. He's at minus 3. And then the Live Golf event, I think it's in Mexico, is it not? Mayacoba, is that in Mexico? Yes. Okay, and so we mentioned Joaquin Neiman going out, shooting 12 under 59 for him. Patrick Reed, uh, 7 under for him. Their scoreboard is, uh, their scoreboard's different. Uh, (laughs) Sergio Garcia, it's hard to read their scoreboard. They don't, they just give you the, the two against par score, they don't give you the actual figure uh sergio garcia uh six under uh john rom five under Boy, i tell you what guys dustin johnson four under i'm seeing a more brooks kepka two under if you're wondering where all uh, not all but many of the big names have gone you know they're over here i hate to say it from that standpoint but that's where they are um what do you think what do you think about hearing all these names over here but not over there you first will well i touched on it a little bit earlier i i'd like to see everybody back together um seeing john rom go was a was a big bummer um what a special player he is so much talent um can win every week um yeah i'd like to see them all together but certainly a lot of big names over on the live tour uh, I think Rom, even though he's, I think, seven back, you can't ever count him out because he can, he can go low over the next two days. Um, and then as far as Pebble's concerned, uh, Scotty's going to be tough to beat as well, as, as good as he plays and hits the ball. I think the weather's supposed to get a little bit uh, dicey over the next two days with wind and rain. But um, Justin Thomas is probably another eye I'd keep my, or another name I'd keep my eye on. Um, I think he's a, only two or three back with two two days to go. So, um, love to hear your thoughts, G three. Hey, I I, I kind of like to see things change, and I was I never was a hater of the live tour, 
part of the reason is I had a little more, probably a little more insight just from the back office. It's not going to be publicized probably for quite some time. There's don't want to go down that road, but you know, there's uh, the leagues have, have split uh, a little bit like the, you know, this live shakeups a little bit like the owners lock out the player strike and the league split some mm-hmm. odd combination. Usually when they're shakeup split, it's going to evolve. The new fruit's going to look pretty good. And you mentioned a little something about announcement this week. I didn't pay much attention. I'll still, it's hard to figure out what the real truth is. But I will tell you, and I, hey, you touch on it a little bit. Wesley spent, Wesley and George both spent last week with John Rahm. Hmm. And uh, I don't know that they talked with, did Wesley speak anything about their week with John Rahm? Did, uh, <laughs> hey, if you, you can definitely go check him out on their YouTube channel and all that went on, and I haven't watched it yet. But Yeah, they put out really, a great video on YouTube with John. It's about an hour long and um, pretty fun match to go watch. They didn't mention a ton about it, um, their time with John. Just I know they had a great time, and they said he's looking forward to mixing things up a little bit and going over to live. Um, but certainly a, a new face over there and a, a massive get for that league. Hey, speak just a little bit about what goes on with the Bryan brothers and what they bring into the game. And I do think that we're going to be looking at other outlets just besides straight TV. Uh, there's, uh, and you know, anyway, I'll just, we got just a minute or two left. Talk a okay. little bit about what you've seen with what the Bryan bros bring to the game. Yeah, it's, it's just a different platform to make golf, a little bit more fun and more entertaining cater more to the, the golf fan, whether you're, you've been playing for 30 years or you just picked it up yesterday or have never touched a club. I think they, it's just fun to kind of be able to see their personalities and get up close and personal, feel like you know them a little bit. Um, so just adds a, a total fun element to the game. Um, and, and like I said earlier, I think the TV product, has gotten a little bit stale and the YouTube videos, the Twitch streaming that they do is, is a cool outlet to be a different side of the pros. Um, they're all humans just like us. Uh, it might not seem like it watching them on TV, but um, they're just like us. They love to have fun, love to enjoy the game of golf. And um, their platform is, is definitely doing that given, giving everybody a little bit of access to a little bit more fun. Well, and you are you're uh you're one of the Brian Bros. <laughs> and I'm an honorary Brian been, brother. Hey, I've been I've been encouraging Phil and mm. Patrick. I've been encouraging this young man to come on back into the golf industry. Is he's already a Brian Bro, so why not coach and teach? Hey, there's that music. Hey, what a privilege to have you on, Bud Ball. And uh, we'll do it again. Hey, Patrick, Phil. Until next week. See them high, but shoot them low. And, yeah, Phil, you're going to get an invite, but so will you, Patrick. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank Thanks you, Will. Thank you, George. GB3, Birdies, Bogies, Biceps across South Carolina. Brought to you by Tsunami Bar Sports. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday.